Save big money when you start your next project today at Menards. Convert your current recessed lighting with energy-saving LED downlights from Fight Electric. They're bright and install easily in just minutes. They also go from regular lighting to nightlight mode with just a simple flip of a switch. Save big on all Fight lighting products now at Menards. Shop our lighting options today in-store and on Menards.com. Save big money at Menards. Attachment of human beings has been studied long before the time of Freud. There is no doubt that a parent and baby bond is important and beautiful. How does one continue that bond of attachment throughout the child's life? What does attachment parenting look like? I'm Mary King, co-leader of Attachment Parenting International in San Diego County, and here to talk about attachment parenting. This is Parent Savers, Episode 28. Faster than a speeding toddler. Sit still for just a minute. Can soothe boo-boos with a gentle kiss. Would you get down from there? Able to clean poopy bottoms in a single swipe. Oh, what did you eat? Turning frazzled mommies and daddies into procreators of peace and harmony. Ah, quit touching me. It's Parent Savers, empowering new parents everywhere. Welcome to Parent Savers, broadcasting from the Birth Education Center of San Diego. I am your host, Casey Wilt. Parent Savers is all about helping new parents from the baby years through the toddler years. So, download the free app, sign up for the free newsletter, like us on Facebook, and send us an email or call our hotline. This is your show. We want you to be involved. We have amazing experts at our fingertips, so shoot us a line and we'll get your questions answered. We also have a new option of joining our Parent Savers Club. It's where you can download the archive episodes episodes and get exclusive content and so much more. I am a new parent myself. My son Carson is almost 23 months old. Soon I'm going to be saying two instead of months. Um, And I'm joined by two new parents in the studio. I'm Scott Killian, 35, certified financial planner, proud father of my son Alex. He is two, almost three. And I'm John O'Reill. I'm a 38-year-old writer and I have three boys, five, three, and one. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hi, Parent Savers. This is the Daddy Complex. I'm David Vienna, father of twin boys. And if my experience has taught me anything about parenting, it's that I know nothing about parenting. While we were potty training our boys, my wife had to go on a business trip. She was gone for three nights, and for each of those nights, I had to handle poop. To my boys' credit, one of those nights, it was dog poop. When you're expecting a baby, people will joke with or warn you about how messy babies and toddlers are. No matter what you've heard or how detailed those stories are, it does not provide an accurate picture of just how much human feces you will be forced to touch. Firstly, newborn's poop is very fluid. This opens up a world of opportunities for fecal matter to find its way into places other than the diaper, especially if you experience what I dubbed the poo fountain. By the way, if you see your newborn making his or her poop face, don't rush over and change the diaper right away. The wee one might not be done, and your wall could end up looking like a Jackson Pollock painting. When your baby reaches toddlerhood, it gets more challenging. You'll experience daily poop accidents during potty training, and accidents don't just manifest as dirty undies. Poop will appear in hallways and on furniture and slip from pant legs at the most inopportune time, 
not that there's really an opportune time for a turd to roll out from a pant leg. Even after your child is technically potty trained, you're not done. Once our boys knew how and when to use the potty, they still hadn't mastered the post-poop cleanup. I knew this was an issue, but really discovered how much of an issue one night when my son Boone climbed up on my lap and shut off a long brown smear on his leg. The worst part, however, it wasn't his smear. Let me preface that, like me, my boys like to watch TV in the nude. It seems that Wyatt left mid-show and deposited a monstrous bowel movement in the potty. He had trouble getting the toilet paper off the roll, so he just gave a perfunctory wipe with a shred of tissue and returned to the couch to cuddle with his nude brother. They both ended up with so many smears of poop on them, they looked like they were members of the world's smelliest Indian tribe, and yes, the couch suffered some collateral damage. If I haven't made it clear, let me reiterate. You will handle a soul-crippling amount of poop. There's no way around it. So invest in some gloves if you think it might help. It won't. And work on controlling your gag reflex. You can't. Often, when I was cleaning up a pile, I actually had to go to my happy place. I call it the Island of Purell. Check out more of my terrible advice at thedaddycomplex.com, The Huffington Post, or on Twitter at The Daddy Complex. You can also view episodes of Fighting With Babies, my public web series for parents, at thedaddycomplex.com slash FWB. And be sure to keep listening to Parent Savers for more fatherly tips. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Today on Parent Savers, we have Mary King with Attachment Parenting International, and she's here to explain what attachment parenting is to us. So what does attachment parenting mean? Attachment parenting, or AP, is a style of parenting that celebrates the many ways we can foster a deeper connection with our children. AP encourages parents to trust their hearts and their intuition, not an externally imposed set of rules when it comes to nurturing their children. Yeah, Mary, I just want to piggyback on, on what you're saying because for attachment parenting for us, and we um, we do practice it, it's very refreshing because it's not a it's not a very hard and fast. Um, process. I mean, right there, um, attachment parenting is uh, allows the parent to determine and use their gut uh, how they should respond to certain things, as opposed to reading tons and tons of books and checking the box and Am I doing this? And what should I do now? What should I do now? You get to actually remove all of that and listen to yourself and listen to your partner and create the environment that you want to create. And for us, it's it's worked out wonderfully. Mm. I love this so far. I never heard of attachment parenting, but I think that I am attachment parenting. <laughs> 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 this sounds exactly like, you know, kind of what we your the philosophies that we have. Well, I can tell you a little bit about the eight principles um, that we have in Attachment Parenting International. The first one is preparing for pregnancy, birth, and parenting. It's taking those nine months to process the wonderful miracle taking place. Um, preparing for birth is considering what's important to you in the birth experience and educating yourselves on ways to achieve it. Preparing for parenthood is taking that lactation, uh, breastfeeding uh, support class, going to a local leche league meeting, um, perhaps lining up a lactation consultant to support you in breastfeeding. And gentlemen here, 
uh, it really helps for the fathers to be involved and to educate and prepare themselves. This principle emphasizes baby bonding at birth and in the weeks thereafter. One of the most rewarding aspects has been sleeping in and honeymooning with my baby for a couple of weeks when each of them have been born. Um, principle two is feeding with love and respect. Like Lelechi League, API strongly encourages and supports breastfeeding which has a multitude of benefits. API recognizes that some mothers may bottle feed, and so we encourage breastfeeding behaviors when bottle feeding, holding the baby close, skin-to-skin contact, looking into the baby's eyes while feeding. Also encourages parents to feed when the baby communicates that he's hungry and not on a strict schedule. Principle three is responding with sensitivity. When I was a new mom, I was at one point completely overwhelmed by all the books. Then a friend said it's really quite easy. One, respond when they cry. Two, you can't spoil before age two. (laughs) <laughs> that's a good, that's a good <laughs> philosophy. I want to just say on responding to your baby's cries mm-hmm. that there's a real positive to that. It's how we then are able to develop a communication style with your baby. So as your baby cries and you try new things, are you hungry? Do you need a burp? And the baby responds and is calmed. That uplifts the mother and then the baby's uplifted. And it's that ongoing dance of communication that we believe strengthens that bond between what what about the child who always cries my my child had stomach issues and cried non-stop for his first month of life and that tore me up i mean what do you do in that situation um when you're responding to the cries but they're not stopping is that still responding in love oh it is it really is because that baby knows that you're trying everything you can and that you're there with with him okay and working him through it and i've known mothers who've spent hours bouncing on the ball or just holding him in the hands and walking around and going through everything you can but recognizing that the most important thing is that you're there being there so what's the next the next principle Uh, sure principle four is using nurturing touch it encompasses all the wonderful ways we can be physically connected to our baby for example baby wearing with any of the wonderful baby carriers that are out now nurturing touch includes infant massage hugs kisses Uh, don't bother registering for the baby bathtub you can simply hold your little one in your lap in in the top uh, principle five is ensuring safe sleep physically and emotionally. Attachment parents believe very strongly in nighttime parenting and responding to their children's needs at night as well. Professor McKenna at Notre Dame has done multiple studies, and the studies really have shown how mothers and babies seem to be meant to sleep together. First off, of course, when a mother and a baby are nursing, they release relaxation hormones. Both mother and baby fall asleep together. Something I find extraordinarily beautiful is that when mother and baby are sleeping next to one another, if baby is too cold, mother's body will over warm up even more until baby's temperature comes Hmm. to its status. Interesting. Baby's too hot, mother cools down until baby comes to the right temperature. Uh, In API, we talk about the benefits of co-sleeping. This may or may not include bed sharing depending on the family, but it does mean that the baby stays close in the room as his parents, or if that isn't the case, that he still gets the reassurance or food he needs at night. It's such a contrast from a lot of things that I hear. It seems to me a lot of parents that I talk to say how fast, you know, it's, it's a race. You know, how fast can you get, the, get your kid, you know, either out of diapers or out of your bed or out of, out of here? And it just seems to be exactly the opposite of what attachment parenting talks about. My child only slept in our arms um, until he was like six months, and he slept with us at that time. Um, but from, gosh, from 7 o'clock, Till when we went to bed, he would be in our arms because the second we put him down, he would wake up. So he slept on the dryer for a while in the car seat and all. I mean, every other trick in the book. Because remember, he's got tummy issues and cried a lot. We didn't try really hard to get him in the crib because that wasn't our 
point and we didn't mind um but my mother she was trying to get him in the crib and i was like oh okay whatever whatever and then one day she got him in the crib and then he slept in the crib and then he was fine in the crib and now i look back and oh you know you long for that time when your child was and for six beautiful months it's now a flip side instead of it being a burden at the time it's now a beautiful thing that i wish you know could have happened a little bit longer or i I, or i just cherished you know that time absolutely harvey carp calls it delicious and i know the first time i woke up at four months and had my baby right next to me i felt this deep sense of mother that i hadn't experienced Uh, Principle six, providing consistent and loving care. This principle encourages parents to find consistent and loving care for their baby and to be wary of some daycares that use caretaker roulette. What's um, daycare roulette? That would be daycare, a daycare where the caretakers constantly change. Oh, got it. And so instead of one caretaker that your child can hopefully create a positive and Mm -hmm. secure attachment with, it's someone new fairly consistently and that your child is not able to create a communication style. and So they can attach or bond with another person. Exactly. I know for us, when we were looking at daycares or providers, and the most important thing for us wasn't, are we going to get a list of everything they would do, but is our child going to feel loved mm-hmm. when they're there? Is there a sense of love? And I think it's that sense of attachment. Right, exactly. We share ideas of parents who do what they can to jigger their schedules to maximize time with their child. And some parents even are willing to spend through some savings in order to allow a parent to stay home with their child for the first years, when, when that's possible. Principle seven is practicing positive discipline. I know we're going to discuss that a little later. Mm -hmm. Um, Principle eight is striving for balance in your personal and family life. How can we find a balance between a baby's needs and those of our spouses and ourselves? How do we relax and have fun? Now, can you be an attachment parent and have other criteria like um, my son is in the stroller, but we also have carriers? Or can you have certain aspects of this? Oh, absolutely. Um, In attachment parenting, Um, We have found that parents um, take some of the principles, but maybe not all. Um, Or uh, I use a stroller, for example, if or and a carrier. So it's 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 less again being um, strictly adhering to, for example, these principles as it is listening to your inner heart and spirit, what um, your baby is telling you he or she needs, um, and being okay that it's okay to respond. So are there any misconceptions about attachment parenting? I'd say there are many. For example, this idea of co-sleeping or having your baby in your room with you. Oh, society believes you're never going to get that baby mm-hmm. out of your room. He's going to be a high schooler, you know, fighting for elbow space. I-, I can say our two daughters, ages three and six, sleep very happily now in their own bedrooms. Um, around two and a half, my oldest, we always made it a positive experience. It was going from something very good, which was this bonding connected time to something else positive. Oh my gosh, we're going to pick out your own bed at Ikea. And oh, here's the pretty quilt your cousin made for you. And oh, you know, the baby's here. Aren't you so happy you don't wake up with the cries and you have all this room in your bed going one way. For example, co-sleeping doesn't automatically mean that you've got a teenager in your bed. Yeah. And that you want to, again, organically let the child develop and transition and, and help them through that transition by emphasizing the positives. Uh, well, do you know some other? Wasn't there a magazine that came out recently that yeah, said the something time, about? Yeah, the Time yeah. article that it was, it caused so much, um, so much controversy when the article was about attachment parenting, but the picture was a woman in this cute little outfit and everything with a um, three, almost four-year-old standing on a stool, nursing upright, looking at the camera. I mean, I think that was one of the biggest outrages of Time magazine, but Time got their point across. They they wanted to talk people to talk, and they did. Uh, certainly, there are those who have that impression, which is of course perpetuated by magazines mm-hmm. that want to sell issues. I 
again, as an example, nurse each child to do. Um, but again, if others want to nurse until three or four, consider that their personal prerogative. I don't think um, attachment parents ever really want to think a lot about what other people are doing. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we're, we're excited about what we're doing. We want to encourage other parents who feel that in their heart. I want to hold my baby, carry my baby, respond more than maybe society tells me I can. Um, listen to your heart. That's um, what we want to encourage others to do. Yeah, one of the things is that when, when I talk to other parents that do not promote this style of, of parenting, it's it's clear to me that they believe that children are to be managed. You need to put them here. You need to you know make sure that they, that they, that they don't do this or they don't do that. The attachment parents uh, that I know um, primarily think of things in terms of abundance. You know, what can we do? What can we, you know, if there's something that needs to be corrected, it's more of like, you know, distraction and move to something else that, that's more appropriate as opposed to like, you know, caging them in almost is what I, hmm. what I feel. So when we return, we'll look at what attachment parenting looks like with multiple children and tips to use positive discipline. We're back with Mary King, and she's talking to us about attachment parenting. So, Mary, what does attachment parenting look like with multiple children? I can't imagine having multiple children and not being an attachment parent. In fact, a lot of parents who choose strict scheduling um, in baby number one become attachment parents on baby two and babies thereafter. Hmm. Um, Interesting. I would almost think that it would be a lot more work to do attachment parenting with more than one child. You know, uh, I guess it comes down to what aspects of attachment parenting you're doing. What I have found with new parents, uh, or excuse me, parents of second children, they find that it's harder to ignore baby's cries with an older child in the house. They think, oh, do we really want our young child to witness this? What's this teaching the older Mm -hmm. child about empathy? Parents um, with second children find that strict scheduling, especially on sleep, goes out the window in light of an older child's trips to preschool, the doctor, and other activities. So Um, They actually learn that the easiest thing is to go with the flow, being responsive to baby's needs. On a final note, of course, I don't know anyone with two or more who hasn't found baby carriers, at least one aspect of attachment parenting, to be uh, a lifesaver. Baby carriers, of course, like a second set of arms. So your baby's firmly attached to you, and you have the other two to chase after the older one. So I I guess you answer the question as well. How does it work in a busy lifestyle? You know, many times as a young mom, I came across other mothers who would say, you know, I can't go to this activity. That's the baby's nap time. I I found that strict scheduling could severely restrict a mom's schedule too. By breastfeeding and baby wearing, I've never felt restricted in going anywhere. When I want to go out, I don't spend a minute of time looking for formula or cleaning bottles. I grab the baby and go. If we're traveling, we aren't fiddling with cribs. He's in the bed with us. When we go out, he's in the sling. He might peek out for a while before he takes his snooze. Um, but he's comfortable, happy, and calm. And that's okay, having your child sleep on the go. It's not a, um, you know what they say, well, they should get interrupted sleep or any of that stuff. Your child still gets enough sleep? Oh, he really he really does because the body knows. And again, this goes back to the centuries of time. Babies, they learn how to sleep um, and they get the sleep they need. So it's actually that sense of security. He's with me. He knows it's safe and he can gently fall asleep. Yeah, we, we absolutely do that too. I mean, it, and just in our life, and we are probably the epitome of, of busy parents. And during the weekends, we get everything done that we couldn't get done on the weekdays, uh, including the four or five grocery stores that we go to on Saturday. <laughs> it doesn't necessarily you know, promote the, the, the sleep situation where he's, he's at home, but we both go to the grocery stores. If, if Alex falls asleep, um, one of us stays in the car and he gets, he gets what he needs and he knows that he can count on it. And that's worked really well for us. But you work out of the home. so I do. We both do. 
does yes. that make it, I mean, that attachment um, so that when you are there, this sounds horrible, but you want to be there. Because at the end of the day, when my husband comes home, lots of times there's a handoff and, and I need to, I need some space to recoup and stuff. I could see myself, if I worked outside of the home, feeling like, like attachment parenting, jump right in there and do everything with it because I had that space. What do you guys think? Yeah, well, I mean, one, one of the things is that we have, I mean, Alex is a part of just about everything that we do, whether it's, you know, Andrea does the cooking and I do a lot of the chores around the house and he he's he's part of it and he, he we like to have him part of it it's not we don't separate him from it he enjoys doing the work mm-hmm. there it, it is kind of a dance uh, we do have times where you know each of us need to do our our own things and the other one of us does another activity with them but he's part of everything that that we do whether it's um you know recreation or just part of life of ha- you know, having a home and a family yeah i can't <laughs> even begin to count the number of weddings that our babies have been to in little wraps and carriers mm-hmm. just because um, they're young and I want to stay close for the nursing. And I think they've each been to several weddings in baby carriers. I think it's so <laughs> funny that you mentioned the the baby wearing because because uh, we did. We have you know five or six different carriers. I have you know, a couple of my favorites. Andrew has a couple <laughs> of her favorites. And now Alex has his favorites, and he has babies that he takes care of. And, and uh, Andrea you know, puts uh, a little sling around him, and he carries him uh, the, the baby around the house and, and does things. It's it's pretty awesome. It's pretty cool to see the the mimicking and the mirroring that your kids do when you promote this type of parenting. Hmm. How do you set boundaries with your child as they grow older? I am an extended breastfeeder. I my son is almost two and he's still breastfed. I have rules around breastfeeding. I have rules around everything. Just like I have a mole on my chest right here, and my son every time he nurses he wants to put his finger on it, and um, but then sometimes he picks it and it hurts, so he's not allowed to do that. Mm-hmm. That stops. And I feel the same way about breastfeeding. If he hurts mommy, no, I'm not a martyr. Or if he wants to nurse in public. At this moment, we used to nurse in public, and I have no problem with that as well. But at this time, we nurse at home before bedtime and stuff like that. So he'll ask for it. No, he'll go, oh, okay, and then he'll go off playing. I have other friends that um, every time their child feels um, insecure or um, in anything else instead of doing something else to soothe them or the child doesn't the child doesn't know how to soothe in a different way they reach for the breast so uh, they're constantly always uh, breastfeeding their child again I have no problems with this no qualms about it whatever else but how do you set boundaries in it absolutely it's a very broad subject I know you know I think a lot of it again has to do with listening to your heart and your intuition and, and your child's needs you describe the mothers who who nurse, you know, for reassurance or for their child's, you know, various needs. I, I think if both are finding joy in that relationship, it's fine to continue that. Mm-hmm. Um, and the child may naturally wean, or the mother decides, like I did um, with the go sleeping. Um, now it's time for me to gently guide and direct you. Hmm. Um, again, when my daughter was two and a half, I was pregnant with number two and just needed the space in the yeah. bed. Again, I think if it's working for both. Um, parent and baby or parent and child, just go with it. Um, if if one feels like it's time to transition, encourage that and support that and look for ways of, of doing so. On the broader context of positive discipline, um, I do believe very strongly in boundaries. That's our, our role as parents. And, you know, we have 30 years of wisdom and experience and we love them. We want what's best for them. And so Setting those boundaries and those rules, of course, we we know gives those children a sense of security. I think our children as well have security that our words are what we mean. And so if we have a child who's misbehaving (laughs) or doing something that isn't the optimal behavior, 
positive discipline means, you know, obviously we're not going to use spanking, coercion, humiliation. There are other methods to use. How would you do with kicking or hitting? Oh, my younger one did that quite a bit with the older one. Or mm-hmm. she, she would hit. We'd practice gentle, gentle. We'd show her how to stroke her sister's arm or hug her. And we really found that by replacing the negative with something positive that she actually started to move more towards the positive. Now, of course, there are times when a child will be defiant, okay, (laughs) bouncing on on the sofa. And you might remind them that it's not safe. You know, she needs to stop. And then she looks at you kind of with a scowl and then jumps again. Mm -hmm. I'd say plenty of attachment parents, um, ourselves included, do see that it's there's a place for consequences and time and you know time somewhere to consider the actions so that we don't make those same actions again. I think the most important thing though is consistency and that my word is what I mean. And you know what? You can have faith and confidence that I'm really looking out for your best interests. One of the the, the tricks that has really worked for us is the this or that. If you give a child a choice between this or that, you know, behavior or other things, they will choose one of those things and be happy to, or at least ours is, be happy to to go with one of those choices. I, I, I was just having a conversation with somebody the other day about, about this idea of boundaries, and, and I was um, kind of thought of it in this in this terms. If I was in a helicopter and somebody dropped me off in the middle of the ocean and I, I couldn't see any land or anything, I didn't have anything except for my swimsuit on, um, I would be a lot less uh, safe and secure than if somebody dropped me off 10 miles off the off the coast of Catalina where I could see Catalina and, and swim towards it. And in similar way, I think kids do that. They operate in that way and they'll swim towards the land will operate on the fringes because they like the boundaries. They like the interaction there. And, and that's just what they'll do. And so it's uh, it, um, a book coined it um, pretty, pretty well by, by saying practice kindness but firmness. And if you do those those two things, you'll you'll embody the attachment parenting principles. When I I find with the people that I know who practice attachment parenting, there's that guilt associated with it. So now at two years old, they want to start maybe weaning, or they want to start maybe you know doing certain things. But then there's that guilt. Oh well, she's really insecure right now, so I I need to offer my breast. Or um, there's oh she's she's asking for it and she's bossy because now she's got a an opinion or. Um, you know, he, he's this way. And so I have to bend to that. So there's that guilt kind of complex associated with it. So what I'm hearing you say is attachment parenting isn't a lay down and take it type of parenting. You can be a good parent. You can practice attachment parenting, but you can also be firm and have boundaries is what I'm hearing. Absolutely. I think if you do that, aren't you setting a precedent? If you were capitulating to your child, aren't you setting a a precedent for lots of bad things down the road. Oh, absolutely. Yes. Well, this is great. This was a great conversation. Thank you so much to Mary King and Attachment Parenting International. If you want more information, go to today's show on our episodes page on our website or visit attachmentparenting.org. Hi, my name is Debbie and I'm calling from Fort Myers, Florida. And the reason I'm calling is because I have a two-year-old son and he seems a little bit behind when it comes to talking. After talking to my pediatrician, he told me that my son should know about 50 words, maybe more by now, and he knows five at the most, maybe. Um, is this something that I should be concerned about? I also have an older daughter, and she started speaking at a much earlier age, and I have heard that boys develop later in this regard than girls. So if there's any advice that you could give me, um, I would really appreciate it, and I just want to you know, know if there could be a problem or not. 
Thanks a lot. Hi, Debbie. It's Amy Goro here, and I'd like to help you with your question. I get it. You've got your younger son that's two years old and is speaking a few words. You may be saying to yourself, and other moms might be saying to themselves, there's nothing wrong with my son other than that he's just a late talker. Everyone knows that boys are later than girls to mature anyways. They're late to talk, late to potty train, they can't sit still and focus until they're a bit older, etc., etc. I also understand your pediatrician. Now, speech is not my discipline to provide treatment for, but I can speak to you from a child development perspective. What I can tell you is that five words is minimal for a two-year-old. Two-year-olds have a much bigger vocabulary of spoken words, and they're actually starting to combine them. They're able to say two-word phrases like, my ball or mommy's car, my doggy, red flower. So I can hope you can see why your pediatrician is concerned. I think it's worth talking to your pediatrician again and coming up with a plan for your son. Your pediatrician is likely going to send your son to see a speech therapist that can offer individualized treatment or monitoring if that's all your son needs. This way, if your son needs a little more help, then you already have your team waiting there for you. If your son takes off with his talking soon, then super. Easy peasy. He's right on track. I hope this helps you, Debbie. Thanks for calling in. That wraps up today's episode. We'd love to hear from you. If you have a question for our expert about today's show or the topics we discussed, call our Parent Savers hotline at 619-866-4775 or send us an email through our website, parentsavers.com or Facebook page, and we'll answer your question in an upcoming episode. Coming up next week, we're talking about traveling with your kids. Thanks for listening to Parent Savers, empowering new parents everywhere. This has been a New Mommy Media production. The information and material contained in this episode are presented for educational purposes only. Statements and opinions expressed in this episode are not necessarily those of New Mommy Media and should not be considered facts. While such information and materials are believed to be accurate, it is not intended to replace or substitute for professional medical advice or care and should not be used for diagnosing or treating health care problem or disease or prescribing any medication. If you have questions or concerns regarding your physical or mental health or the health of your baby, please seek assistance from a qualified health care provider. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member? For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Hey, mamas. Don't forget to check out Mighty Moms. It's our online community built for new moms just like you. Not only can you connect with other moms, but you can also join us backstage for special mom-only online events. And you'll also be notified when we're recording so you can join us as a special guest. Visit our website, newmommymedia.com, and click on the Mighty Moms banner. It's free. That's newmommymedia.com. See you there.